This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. (laughs) (laughs) You would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We have a special edition of A's Unfiltered for you. We've got some old school A's for you. Stephen Vogt, Johnny Gomes, and Cole Irvin. What can you say about Stephen Vogt? I think everybody around here will tell you what a great Oakland A he was, what a great person, what he meant to so many different people. Now a coach with the Seattle Mariners. Stephen Vogt, now Mariners coach, joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, well, last time we were talking to you, you had tears in your eyes, and it was coming to an end, <laughs> and the family. And I mean, what, were you able to really grasp what happened and all those special moments with your family, your kids being of age to remember it and just ending your career? Were you able really to sit back and go, wow? You know, I was. I was. But at the same time, I still don't think I've fully grasped how how the last day went, you know, from from the reception from my teammates and the team in the clubhouse to my friends and family to the fans to the organization. Just it, it's still a big blur for me, and I, I still can't really fathom that it actually ended the way it did. Well, it, it, it was definitely magical. What was it like walking back into the stadium? Uh, you know, I had a big, big smile on my face. Um, I always love coming back here when I was a visiting player or just getting here every day to play. I, I love coming to the Coliseum. It's uh, it's a wonderful place. It's got so many fond memories for me and my family, and I uh, it felt really, really good to be back in town and a lot of memories going through my head. You know, you, you think about so many people when they're going to get into coaching. They wanted to give it some time. We talked to you about maybe – being on MLB Network or maybe working for a team as a broadcaster. But with the way the game is changing and it's changing so fast, new rules, but all the stuff that had just been implemented, just it just seems for me, and now that we're talking to the first time, it seems to me like it is the perfect time because like, it's not like you've been away from the game, you have to learn anything. Your expertise is right here. You're just doing it a few months ago. Yeah, you know, I – I, I wasn't sure even even going into the off season in the first couple months what I really wanted to do, uh, you know, this year. But, you know, the Mariners called and we kind of worked some stuff out and I had some good offers out there. But it really felt like this was the role I was looking for. And it, it was a good opportunity, like you said, for me to just stay in the game, go straight from playing to coaching and, you know, just didn't be able to help guys like, hey, I, I know where, I know where you're at. I was just in your shoes a year ago and. Um, I played against the same guys you did. I played against you guys I and played with a lot of people out here. So it gives me a great angle to be able to help our guys uh, any way I can. And uh, I'm having an absolute blast. I know you weren't watching or listening to this show during spring training, but we were talking about you during uh, spring training down at Ho-Ho Cam on A's Cast Live. 
And Adam Aller, we did this long interview about Adam Aller talking about what you did for him, how you took him aside, and you taught him to prepare. You taught him how to win. You taught him how to compete. And that was already coaching before you were a coach. How much have you taken that type of approach, what what you did with Adam Aller, and have you been able yet to do that with any of the Mariners pitchers? I, I mean, yeah, I feel like, you know, for me, Tony, I've always kind of been a, a player coach in a way. I mean, there's a lot a lot of aspect of catching that goes into it where it's a very similar role. And the way I like to say it is nothing really has changed other than the fact that I don't have to worry about facing major league pitching every night. So, um, you know, it's it just I want to help guys learn faster. Than, you know, I was fortunate to play for some really great managers and coaches and play with some unbelievably talented people. And I learned, I learned a lot from the people around me, and, that, and that's all I'm trying to do is help guys learn faster than I did. Um, that's what I'm trying to do every day for these guys. Now that you've seen the new rules, and let's just say some of them are not so catcher-friendly, uh, base stealing is way up. Uh, so far, pitch timer, how you got to work with the pitcher, how fast you got to do it. What have you thought of the new rules? You know, I, I, like, I like most of them. Um, I really, really like the – I didn't think I would like the pick clock, and I don't think I would like it if I was still playing. But I can tell you that uh, as a coach, I'm loving the game times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I think the shift is, has, has helped promote some more offense as well. It's nice to see some left-handers get some base hits in the 3-4 hole. You know, I think so that's the one that I miss the most. But um, as far as the base stealing goes, I know it's, it's really exciting. And the two disengagements, I'm not a fan of that one. Uh, I think – it just it, it changed the way we cre- we control the running game and things like that. But um, it's definitely created a more exciting game. I think there's people are really enjoying watching baseball. Um, you know, I, I know I'm an old person at heart, and I can't stand seeing all this around the park. I really don't. But it has made a better a better product, in my opinion. Well, teams that don't get out to a hot start, you were recently on one, and you got a World Series ring with them. But we were talking about the Washington Nationals, then the Atlanta Braves, even back to last year with the Philadelphia Phillies, teams that don't get off to a great start, and they're able to find it. I know a lot of people saw the Seattle Mariners after breaking their long streak of not being in the postseason since 2001, as they were a team that building off last year could be a team that takes down the Astros and, and win the American League West. So when you look at this early start, what do you think needs to happen to kind of turn things around for the Mariners? Well, you know, I mean, obviously our record hasn't been great and we haven't played we haven't played up to our capabilities to this point. And we all know that. And, you know, for me, what it is, is, is it's staying consistent with the way we're pitching and staying consistent with our defense. And, you know, it's timely hitting. And that's kind of been our MO so far this year is we've, we've been we've been doing the right things. We've been putting guys in the right spots and we just haven't gotten that big hit very often. And so I think for us, it's, it's the situational hitting and, and the timely hitting. I think when when we start to get rolling on that offensively and if we can continue to pitch the way we are and, and play good defense, you know, I think that's the recipe. But, you know, it's, it's early and we're very aware that we're off to kind of a slow start. But, you know, things have started to kind of trend in the right direction the last the last week. You know, we had a tough road trip. You know, we've lost four one-run games. And that's, uh, that's, that's really tough to handle sometimes. But the guys are in good spirits and, and everybody's working and putting themselves in a position to succeed. Yeah, that's a crazy thing. Two straight years, uh, you had an oh before you were there, obviously. Oh, uh, 
uh, last two seasons, 67 one-run victories. That, that's tough to keep going. Uh, we'll, we'll see how, how if you can get back on track with that. Uh, when you start looking around the league right now, and you start looking at the Rangers, you, you look at what you've seen with Anaheim. What do you? What? How, how do you make of the West? Because obviously, you know this division so well. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a competitive division. Obviously, we know that. You know, um, the Rangers got better. The Astros—they're always going to be really good, and and the Angels are better. And so, you know, and and see, the A's always play you tough. That's the one thing you know I know from experience because I was part of it. But the A's always play everybody tough, and. It's never, it's never an easy victory, but, um, you know, I think it's anybody's division. I really see the Astros are always going to be the team to beat. They're the reigning world champions, but, you know, we really feel good about our team and we feel good about our chances and just got to continue to stay the course and, and, and play our game. You mentioned consistency, and that's something that, you know, with fans, we don't think of that kind of stuff, but there's a message that's sent in spring training. How important is it as staff, and now that you're a part of a staff, how important is it that what was said in spring training stays consistent beginning of the year, middle of the year, end of the year, and to always be consistent to the players no matter what the record is? It's 100%. That's, what, that's your job is deliver the message during spring training when there's no emotions, there's no results, to stay the course with that message. You know, the best way I describe it, and I actually got to get running here in a second to go job, but sure. um, the best way I describe it is I'm the warning bumpers in your seat when you're driving and big leaguers stay in their lane they're great and when they start to veer out of their lane you got to bump them back towards their lane and that's what i'm trying to do and that's the message you deliver in spring training and you continue to just keep them on the course and that's what i'm trying to do every day quickly was it odd the first time someone called you coach <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it was a really weird feeling but you know a lot of guys have been calling me coaches now just kind of razzing me so i'm kind of used to it but i'm really enjoying it and it's so fun to be back here in oakland at the coliseum uh to see all the people that I cherish so dearly. Voter, you've always been so good to us. I can't tell you how much uh, I've always appreciated our time together, your career here as an Oakland Athletic. Everybody loves you. And then uh, next time you're next time you're in town, let's be able to do this back on the field. Yeah, I hope so too. This rain, this rain ain't this ain't it. This ain't it. So uh, great catching up with you, Tony. Be well. Take care. Uh huh. Bye bye. Stephen Vogt, the All Star, the two time All Star. For the Oakland Athletics as just a class act, a great A. And, you know, you talk about talent. Stephen Vogt really could have done whatever he really wanted to do. I mean, he was a hot commodity after retired. I think he easily could have gone back. I mean, I'm not going to ask him what, what, what he had cooking, but could he have done MLB Network? I bet. I, I'm sure there was a, a, quite a few of the organizations that he played for that reached out, including ours, that, hey, there's a position for you. What do you want to do? And obviously with family and Seattle is the ideal situation for him. So congratulations to Stephen Vogt. Our next guest is one of my all-time favorites, and it's now an honor to do television with him on NBC Sports California. I absolutely love the guy. What a leader he was for the Oakland Athletics. Here's Johnny Gomes. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live from the studios in San Francisco. I know I've said this a lot, but I'll continue to say it. I have covered a lot of people who have worn the green and gold. I've covered guys that were playing for the green and gold when I wasn't even alive. I've now gotten to know them over the years. I've been around this for a long time. 
and I'll continue to say it. He is one of my all-time favorites, and I can't tell you, Johnny Gomes, how excited I was. You know, they, you know, when they get us ready for what's going to happen on the TV schedule, and you know, I'm always in here when Brody's not here, and they told me that you were going to do it. I was like, right on. Yeah. Like the perfect guy for it. Side by side with Townsy. We ride again, the Johnny and Townie show. We do. Let's get it in. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's good to be back. Um, Baseball's all I know, man. Baseball's all I know, so I'm not playing anymore, of course. Those cleats are definitely hung up. But uh, let's talk ball. Well, you know, we I've mentioned it plenty of times with you that you know, a guy that we're both close with, Bob Melvin, had so yep. much respect for you that Bob Melvin said, I see him as a manager. And we've talked about that multiple times with Bob, and I've mentioned it to you. First of all, what does that mean to you when truly one of the best managers of his time? I mean, Bob Melvin's won manager of the year in both leagues. I mean, the success that he's had, uh, looking to get that first ring. But the respect he has in the business is unbelievable. The fact that he – didn't have you for like years and truly saw what your leadership quality are leadership qualities are and the man that you are that he thinks you could be a great manager in this game. Yeah, it means a lot coming from that guy. Like you mentioned, manager of the year multiple times. But I think there's a lot he does outside of the limelight. A lot he does in the clubhouse, on the plane, on the bus, allows you to get the best out of you. And I think more than anything, he just puts you in situations that you will shine in. And if you're not in a situation, door is always open to Bob Melvin. Well, plenty of times I was in his office doing the Bob Melvin show, and you would have people come in, and like I wasn't even there, right? And and we, we all know when I'm around, especially back in the day when I wasn't working for the A's and I was just working for 95.7, that everybody kind of knew what was said. I was never going to turn around and go to the air with that. So people would come in and say stuff as I was sitting on the couch, and it was it just goes to show we don't know the everyday basis, the heartbeat, the problems, the issues. You guys are human beings. You've got wives. You got girlfriends. You got parents. You got kids. You got friends. There's issues going on. And the one guy that's got to kind of make everything work and go well, I always say he sits at the front of the plane. He sits at the front of the bus. He's the leader. That's the manager. That is the manager. That's the heartbeat of the whole thing. That's the captain of the ship. And at the same time, The captain of the ship isn't someone you always go to when something's wrong, right? So he also has these little branches underneath him to get the heartbeat of the whole clubhouse and allowed me to just, like, run range in the clubhouse and allowed me to police a lot of things that might have been a little bit a lot at the time for a player, but that's what he needed at the time. I mention all the time a guy that came over to us from the Boston Red Sox that needed policing, and I think he really helped his career, was Josh Reck. You played a very, I've said before, you kind of had your thumb on red as there was times that you needed to kind of pull him back, but you had to let him be him. But I think there's no question what you did for his career really helped him after you left and then take him all the way through Houston. Yeah, that's one of the things as like a leader and a clubhouse guy is, you know, you never want the credit, right? You got to let that player have the credit. But at the same time, it's not really a train track way of playing or a train track way of coaching. But not only was there, you know, Josh Reddick, but guess who else we found was Josh Donaldson. Very interesting <laughs> personality. Love right. J.D. Yeah. 
even uh, Cespedes coming over, right? And Cliff Pennington and Derek Norris. And, I mean, that team in the 2012, a lot of guys branched out, but a lot of guys didn't really have the direction at such a young age in their career. And I'm just blessed to be able to help them help them out and get in their way. And, man, they took off and were really, really successful. Yeah, when I think of that about that year, we just mentioned it yesterday because, you know, a lot of people are trying to poo-poo the starts like, oh, the Rays are not that good. I don't believe in the Pirates. I'm like, you know what? That's part about the being a romantic in sports is enjoying as a sports fan. I brought up two teams, and you'll understand this being a Bay Area guy. I say the We Believe Warriors. Yep. No one gave them a chance. Out of nowhere, they make the big trade. Next, you know, they're in the playoffs. They knock off the Mavericks, who were the number one seed. We'd never seen that before. And the 2012 Oakland Athletics. Yep. No one believed in the 2012 A's. No one believed even when the A's got hot starting in June. But that's what we love about sports because you never know. Yeah, there, there's no algorithm for that. There's no past. There's no this. But the one thing I learned is, you know, I was on that 08 Tampa season team. Yeah. Uh, won the division with the Reds. Wasn't supposed to happen. 12, 14 Oakland Athletics was a little more talented of a team. Went to the wild card. Of course, 13 uh, World Series. And again, the Royals in 2015. But the one thing I learned is, like, you can't panic. Right. It's not the best of start, but you can't panic. And it takes a while for a team sometimes to create an identity. Right. And the identity comes with like reps and success. So success hasn't been there like right away. And what was our 2012 identity? Well, believe it or not, we were walking off. It seemed like every time at home. (laughs) Right. Yeah, we really were. And which made us believe we were always in the game. And we're always going to be exciting late. Is that the best identity to have is the walk off? Not really, right? You want some starting pitching. You want some homers, all this stuff. But we're able to ride that. And there has to be something that the Oakland Athletics this year can create an identity around. And I think about Mark Kotze. And what's tough is, is Mark Kotze obviously has the respect for what he's been as a coach for the Oakland Athletics as a longtime player, 17 years in the big leagues and some great years with the A's. But he knew going in last year was going to be a year coming out of a lockout. It was, you know, you're going to use a lot of players. He was 64 guys. And then here you're off to a bad start. So tell us what it's like when you're trying to establish a culture, but you're not winning and you're utilizing a lot of guys. How do you develop that culture in a clubhouse? Well, it starts with, you know, he's probably got 12 to 15 guys developing their career while in the big leagues. Granted, it's not AAA. Granted, it's not, you know, AA. There's a lot of guys getting their first crack. We always say as a player, it's about like 1,500, 2,000 at-bats until you know what you're going to get. So that's why it's going to be peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, and you really have to praise the peaks, and you have to get them out of the valleys as soon as possible. That's tough to do. It is tough to do, and it takes the whole coaching staff. It takes the players. It just takes the whole group to get together. I heard this about a manager – that he has words in spring for everybody. If he doesn't live by those words throughout the entire season, it really changes how the players feel about him. So when I say that to you, how how important truly is it that the guy at the top and what Mark Kotze is going to say right now, he sticks to his guns no matter what happens throughout the years based on his rules, the environment he wants, kind of like that teacher the minute the class gets squirrely, if you don't take care of it. Yeah, that's it. You definitely want these young guys to have a long leash. But with a long leash comes a lot of mistakes, 
right? So it's not really the iron fist clat down on the mistakes. There has to be coaching moments in all these bad mistakes. It's like, oh, oh, you know. So not so much punishing the player as much as being more hands-on. Educate them of why. Educate them of what the other team's doing to you. And at the end of the day, there's so many young ball ball players on this team. Well, guess what? That's so many more opportunities for rookie of the year. That's so many opportunities to shock the world. Boom. So it's like there's no excuses. Oh, we're young, you're young. Well, yeah. yeah, well, we got the most odds for rookie of the year. Let's get one. Yeah, I, 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 I want my guys and what I want from this team right now, I want bold. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, I'm still frustrated Ruiz hasn't stole that many bases. I want, like, when Ryan Noda, he's been picked off before, but Ryan Noda's aggressive. I want everybody aggressive. Right. Be aggressive. If you're going to make mistakes, so what? My God, we're 5-19. We're and 19. Yeah. Do whatever. I mean, balls out every game, all day. This game is about winning. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. I hope that's the message inside the clubhouse. Yeah, that's how it's got to be, like pass balls. Pass balls suck. But I want that pass ball to go to the backstop on a fly, right? If you're going to airmail a ball from second base, shortstop, third base, I want it in deck four, (laughs) right? If you're going to strike out, well, I want two foul homers that were almost fair and we have something to go on. And then steal. It's like someone handing you 10K of their money and saying go to Vegas and – Hang with them. You're going to make some silly decisions because it's not your money, and that's how they got to play is the house money. The first time I met you was I was auditioning for ESPN Radio in Los Angeles. Every day is an audition. And yeah, I was <laughs> and, Every damn day. And I was – I was. they were the Angel Station, so I was there at the Big A. You at the time – you're not going to remember this, but you were a devil ray sure. at the time. And I remember we interviewed you, and – the amount of people that you had in left field, I remember what year this was. This is my before my kids were born, so it's got to be like 03 or 04. Yep. And all these people from Petaluma came down, and we were doing the show, and all they, they could, Johnny, they had this cheer, and it was Petaluma. 707 You remember seats. what I'm talking about, right? Yes, the area it was, And that was the first time we were like, this Johnny Gomes guy is really popular. Right. Uh, going back to your, de- I mean, you were a devil ray. Sure was. You you knew what it was like to be on a team that was going to take its lumps. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, we were. And there was a lot of veterans that came in. And what I noticed, like, right away is these veterans wanted to come in and play well to get traded, which is par for course sometimes. But I didn't like that. Someone has to step up and want to do good for this org and get this org in the right direction. But with those veterans coming in, I learned a lot from these guys. My first big league spring training, I got Fred McGriff and Tino Martinez. <laughs> Let's yeah. go with that baseball IQ right there. So getting a little piece of the puzzle growing up in the AL East, right? You got the Yankees and uh, the Red Sox every single night, it seemed like. But, yeah, I mean, it was like thrown to the wolves. And then guess what? We look up one day and there's World Series painted on the grass in 2008. Like, oh, okay, this is how it's done. Uh, you, you learn. And, yep. and by the way, how happy were you for the crime dog to get in the Hall of Fame? How about it? He deserved it. Way overdue. Way uh, overcooked. Like it, it, When people would criticize him, and you're like, man, I don't know. I grew up in the 80s. Right. Right? This guy was hitting bombs for the Blue Jays. Then he was hitting bombs for the Padres. Then he was hitting bombs for the, the Braves. He turned the Braves around. Yep. I mean, it helped them with their their championship. I mean, Fred McGriff was a and good defensively. Yeah, I remember them talking about. I think he had like 497 homers, and they're like, ah, he doesn't have 500. 
We that's missed the it. dumbest excuse I've ever heard in my and, life. And you missed the time because of the, the, the lockout. Yeah, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 497 over 500? No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. But the, everyone knows the big helicopter Fred McGriff crime dog. And the, Tom, and the Tom Amansky videos that he claimed he never, Trash. ever watched. But yeah. we saw that commercial on ESPN, especially late around SportsCenter, over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. It was those times that you spent – that when, when people talk about you, whether it's Boston, it's Kansas City, of course, here in Oakland, something about you in the clubhouse, you, you, leaders, there's something that we, we, we just can't say, this guy's the leader. Well, some guys, you just make a leader and they're terrible leaders. What is it about you? When did you first know it that this is my role? This is who I am. Yeah, well, I found out real quick the biggest separation in players, and even when you go to, like, arbitration, when you go to arbitration and they're doing arbitration cases, the guy that goes to the postseason will win, always. I knew from Jump Street the business side of it and then the winning side of it. And then you had the really good player, but then you had the winning player. And I always wanted that winning player hung over Johnny Gomes and being that guy. And then once I got to Cincinnati – after the World Series in 08, I was Cincinnati, I think, 9, 10, and 11. Um, I remember I was getting asked questions that I once asked. And I was like, oh, this is how it works, right? I mean, year four, year five, year six, year seven, yeah. when does that happen? I got to know. But when someone asks you a question that you remember asking and that you now have the answer for, it was kind of like shoulders back a little more. People were watching. People want to learn and all this stuff. So, um, I grasped that opportunity, hence the fact I wanted more information. I never wanted a question asked to me that's like, ah, I don't know. We're going to have to go ask someone else. So I think right around that time I became even more of a baseball rat and a stat rat and a history buff and everything. It took it all in. Well, and something that people need to realize about guys who are leaders, it's just not helping guys with, hey, this is your approach. This is how you hit. This is how... You got to help guys with money. You got to help guys with finding places. You got to help guys uh, with relationships. Like we said, there's human beings. I mean, you're helping these guys learn how to be big leaguers away from the field as much as on the field because there's a lot of sharks out there. Yeah, I tell you what, you know, one of the biggest things that I found was to be able to build a relationship with the teammate. Right. So what's that mean? Well, that means when there's a runner on third and zero outs and your buddy's in front of you and he strikes out like sure you want to get a hit, but you want to get a hit more to get that guy's head out of the sand. Right. When your buddy's on the mound and he just walks like three and you're in the outfield instead of like kicking rocks, put your head down. You're like, I am going to run through a wall to get my buddy off the mound. Right. Versus like, ah, oh, here we go again. Another walk. And then boom, that ball's right there and you didn't dive. Right. So just having that friendship. And of course, that happens in the clubhouse and that happens on the plane. But you have to build that. And I always thought all four major sports, when they talk post game after the Super Bowl, after the finals, after whatever it is, they always just go to this team, this team, not the best player, not this, the best team. So creating that relationship in the clubhouse, extremely important in all these great years that you had and championship years. What year do you look back as the best of your career? Wow. Um, there's a lot of individual moments, but, you know, from being the JUCO guy up up north, the one thing is always like my first game, right? To be able to finally get a taste of big league baseball is at Yankee Stadium. David Wells on the mound, like, boom, we're here. Wow. You know, and then <laughs> finding out, like, no one cares except for you and your family. And yeah. this guy's really trying to get you out and all this stuff. Um, 
That was pretty cool. The first uh, finishing the season with a win, right? There's only one team that gets to do that. And you think about it, like you haven't won since, or you haven't lost since the following spring training. And you get that taste of the win throughout the whole off season. Fortunate enough to do that twice. Uh, fortunate to share the clubhouse with a lot of future Hall of Famers, a lot of MVPs, a lot of rookies of the year. Um, and then, you know, at times, like, unfortunate at times become fortunate now but moving around so much i played for six teams that can be tough but getting a piece of pie from each six was able to get the knowledge that i have now we never got to see up close the parades but from afar watching on mlb network it seems like you never got cheated in those two parades i was in it to win it buddy (laughs) (laughs) i was in it to win you were pretty primed up in the kansas city uh when you got on stage in kansas city you were uh you were raring to go yeah, good thing there's some tape of it because it was a little cloudy the next day. Yeah, no, I'm not that, gonna lie to you. <laughs> those are those are always funny because we we knew. Oh yeah, because yeah. there's still pictures that we put up there all the time. You know, the celebration in 2012, the final the final game, finally reeling in the Texas Rangers. How all the players with the wives and the girlfriends took the pictures, sure. and you're spraying people with the hose, and you're doing all that. And then all of a sudden, you guys all went away, and there I was up in the press box watching it, and I'm doing the post game show, and there was just a pyramid of those Bud Light aluminum cans and it? champagne. There was just, you guys had all left. And I'm just sitting there taking phone calls, and there's the pyramid of Bud Lights. And if you don't want to do that as a player, you're not in it for the right reasons. That only the winners get to do that, you know. And then winning, what I learned too, winning's the only anniversary in sports. You know, I mean, think about all the batting titles. Think about the Gold Gloves. Think about the ten consecutive Gold Gloves or the Triple Crown winners. There's no anniversaries for those. The only anniversaries are the pennant up in the outfielder behind home plate. It's fact. It's the only thing you really remember. That's it. Winning, winning, winning. Because all the other stuff is individual stuff. Yep. Uh, Luis Medina going tonight. You saw Mason Miller yesterday for the first time. Uh, Well, let's start with Miller. You had to be very impressed with what you saw. That I mean, there's stuff, right? And that's what you want to look for out of a young guy. Stuff, of course, we're going to jump right to the velocity, right? But what makes a really good fastball, real, really good secondary fastball, that cutter I think is going to come. And if you have a really good fastball, you obviously have that arm speed, which you can create really good off speed. So if you can start getting guys off that heater with a little of this and a little of that every once in a while. But, yeah, I mean, to get, you know, Kicked right in the butt with four runs right in the beginning with the mishap in center field, sitting down, coming back out, and then shoving the rest of the way. You know, it's good to see a little adversity in how he handled it. I mean, it's clear. It's God-given ability. Sure. Right? And it's not like he's huffing and puffing. I mean, it's pretty effortless 100 to 102. I mean, it's not grunting and, and snarling. He's just, that's just poof, letting it rock. Well, yeah, and if you go back to, um, you know, where he came from, this 100-mile-an-hour fastball is new for him. Yeah. Right? He has a huge velocity jump the last couple years, you know, figuring this out. Obviously a big kid. He's going from, what, like 150 pounds to 170 to 80, now sitting around 200. So this is also a new toy for him. So he's going to have to figure out how all this works. Now Medina's scouting report, same thing tonight. It's it's velocity that can sit 96, 97, jump all the way to 92. He's got a plus-plus curveball. He's got a changeup. For me, and I know it's easier said than done, and I'm just the I'm just the guy on your screen and on your radio every single day. I say the the boob who does the post game show, but my whole thing is when you talk about being simplistic today, when you say okay, this is where we want to attack. We know the fastball moves, 
We're not going to nibble. We're going to set up. Hell, I'll set up down the middle and let the natural movement go. But the key for this kid today is he has to throw strikes because if he doesn't, he gets squirrely. You start walking, guys. Next thing you know, we're talking about two and two-thirds, X amount of walks, and you're out of the game. Talk about the strategy of saying, let's just be simplistic. We know what you're good at. Certain zones, we're going to stay in those zones to stay consistent. We're not going to be pitching all over the place and hang, just and nibbling on the corners. Just got to go out and be aggressive. And if they beat you, they beat you. Yeah, the one thing I've always talked about is like, so you got the minor league, so A ball, double A, triple A. You can go A ball to triple A, pretty big jump, but there's not a bigger jump from triple A to the big leagues. That is absolutely the biggest level. And you want to know what really transfers from triple A to the big leagues. It's different for everybody, right? He's going to step on that mound and he's going to look around and he's probably going to do some stuff he's never done before. So you have to have a little bit of a chain, but at the end of the day, he has to go to his strengths, right? When you start talking about, okay, Mike Trout hits this, Otani hits yes. this, he's never dealt with that before, right? He's never dealt with this huge advanced scouting report. So he has to start with his strengths and what didn't really work out, then we'll have to, like, readjust. But just go out there, obviously, that high velocity strikes. You definitely don't want to get in, you know, a pitch count jam because we didn't really get to see what he had. I talk about competing inside the strike zone. Sure. It seems like a, y- a lot of young pitchers with these big arms are afraid to be inside the strike zone. That's where you start to see high strikeouts, but you see high walks. I always compare it to a golfer. It's like he makes a lot of birdies, but he makes a lot of bogeys. Sure. So they start to even each other out. To me today, hey, if you end up getting beat by Rimfro or Trout or Otani or who or whoever, Neto, who's at the bottom of the lineup, but they can we know the kid can play. Whoever, but get beat being in the strike zone and giving yourself a chance. Because the odds are, Johnny, the odds still shit. No one hits five hundred. No. The odds are if you throw quality strikes, you will get out. Yeah, and strike one is really important. Right? Yeah. And the one thing that I think can really benefit a young hitter along with a young pitcher is it's so foreign. Right? Not every fastball is the same. Not every 96-mile-per-hour fastball is the same. He can go 96, and as a hitter, you want to go in your rotodex and, like, what is it like? So the first two times through the lineup, these guys have never seen your fastball, never seen your slider, never seen the depth, never seen the late movement. So definitely attack them. Yeah, I got my, my gambling guys in Vegas from my old talk show that I used to bring on for football, basketball. They always said they always liked betting a team that was throwing a pitcher that a team has never seen before. Absolutely. I love the youth, and I love the youth in the late playoff races, and I love all that. I mean, in the 08 season, we had David Price come up, and then that 2012 season going down the stretch with five rookies, five starting rookies. Yeah, yeah I love the foreignness of a young player. And David Price, you remember, you know, out of Vanderbilt, the number one pick and everything. They didn't, you guys didn't start him. No. He was coming out. He was this – he's that role that I think – that we've seen with certain players. Miller did it with Cleveland. I mean, there's certain guys that have come out and they've just been electric out of the bullpen. They give you three, four great innings, and in the postseason, that's huge, and that's what David Price did for you guys. Yeah, David Price had a heck of a career, but yeah, that uh, ALDS and ALCS, he come out of the bullpen just one time through, get us nine outs, and the second you might know what he has, I mean, you start him with the fastball, then you start him with this, and then you start him with that, and then they can get a report on you, but we didn't allow him to get a report, right? So I love the foreignness of youth players when you look back at your time with the Rays that's when you guys started doing things differently 
Yeah, you have to. You right? have to. But, there, but we, we, we were all kind of like, okay, what is this shift in crap? What is this yeah. stuff? You know, you started doing that, as you said, right before you guys started going to the World Series. Joe Madden, we looked at as, you know, kind of like the crazy mad scientist. You look at where baseball is now. Talk about what it was like when you guys actually were starting a lot of this. Yeah, I mean, again, that was like house money. Okay, so we got a runner on third, and we don't have the best contact guy at the plate. We got a young guy who doesn't really hit that well. How we can get this guy in? Bunt, right? Here comes the safety squeeze. We start to do that. And I remember in the very beginning, Aubrey Huff playing third base, and then now we're going to run him out there. <laughs> Aubrey Huff. Yeah. My old radio partner, Aubrey sure. Huff. And we're going to have four outfielders. Yeah. Home run in the seats. I go, unless you're putting an outfielder up on the catwalk, this isn't going to work. We still have to pitch, right? Yeah. But, yeah, like we did. We had house money, a lot of double steals. Uh, the safety squeeze, I think, became really important. It took a lot of the pressure off a young hitter. I was still trying to go to the fences. But other guys, you know, that safety squeeze and, again, the shift. So it's like some moves, some guys here and there. And we have house money. What if it beats us? Who cares? We got to get creative. And it worked. It did. And I'll tell you, big, big minds behind all that, too. Let's just not forget Don Zimmer. Don Zimmer was there. Don Zimmer, he, he created a lot of that action. Did he? He never gets any credit. Nah, I love me some Don Zimmer. I sat by that guy every day and got stories. Oh, you think about one of the great careers. All right, so you and I are doing TV today. We'll wrap this thing up. Um, I don't know, like, long-term what, what your thoughts are, but from a media standpoint, I mean, we've already talked about how we know you could – the coaching and what, I mean, however you want to go after that path. What do you think about this path? I love this path. Like I said, I love the opportunity. I love breakdowns. Um, I love educating the fans. It's some of the best compliments I got. It's like, oh, I never knew that was happening, right? When the game slows down, it's not boring. There's a lot of stuff going on. Let's yeah. look at the signs like over here. Look at the, the center fielder was on this side, and now he's on that side. And guess where he's going to pitch him? We'll just follow the center fielder. Like, oh, let's get a fake break at first to see who's covering on a first and third. Just cool stuff that I love gathering, and I love giving it back. Well, it's all the stuff you learn in the dugout, but not everybody learns that. No. Yeah. S- some people are students of the game. Some people just have the – I always say King Griffey Jr. didn't care who was pitching, never watched video. King Griffey just showed up and hit bombs and was King yeah. Griffey. Yeah, he was good from nine years old all the way to the end. <laughs> probably to, yeah. He could probably DH now. Yeah. After uh, you know, uh, rumors at WBC batting practice, he was out hitting everybody as the hitting coach of the WBC American Of course he team. was. Why wouldn't he? Of course he was. We got King Mike Gr- Trout videoing him. Like, uh, <laughs> we see who the GOAT is. Yeah. No, it's 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 I'm excited about today because, you know, a lot of people obviously we know what's going on, but you know, this is still the game that we love. We still have passion for it and we can go out and still present it to the public and and have a good time and 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 the thing is, you being from Petaluma, you growing up an A's fan, we all really know and it's the same thing with Dave Stewart, it's the same thing with Shooty Babbitt, it's the same thing with Pip Roberts. You guys all wore the A's uniform and you all grew up A's fans, so it, it means a little extra something to you. It does to me, too. I mean, I'm biased to that jersey. I'm biased, biased to the white cleats. I'm biased to the Coliseum. That's where it all started for me. My love for the game really kicked off in the 89 World Series. I can't forget about that. Right, Ricky Henderson sliding head first. I slid head first as much as I could because of Ricky. <laughs> and then why wouldn't I? Had that work out for you. Yeah, <laughs> a little here. But, uh, yeah, and then I thought it was really cool at a young age to hit a bunch of homers like the Bash Brothers. Uh, Carney Lansford getting ready, right? Like the pre-pitch. Like, boom, Mike Gallego doing this. So, uh, yeah, those guys grew me to be a player I was. 
Well, I can tell you one of my original experiences with Johnny Gomes was the flight to Japan on 2012 where you had this jumbo jet double-decker and we ran out of vodka. Yeah, I can't. I, I can honestly say I got drunk twice on that flight. Yeah, and they were telling us <laughs> twice. They, they're saying, "Do not drink. You got to hydrate because the time did." Well, yeah. Yep. Uh, we didn't take that advice. No. Yeah, and I didn't fly all the way to Japan to face King Felix either. By the way, jeez. And then to come back on opening day and face him again. Face him again. And we had you opening when we come back facing the Mariners. Yep. We had you. Already 0 for 2, yep. lost twice to Seattle, come back getting King Felix again. You did the pregame show with me and predicted this team would be in the playoffs, and everybody laughed. Good. Yeah, that's okay, right? But, I mean, you, you, do, have to, you do have to have that mindset, right? And the one thing that I really brought that kind of stuck out with me is this was like a rebuilding year. I remember it was like this fake like construction tape, caution, like all this stuff. Like, how do you have a rebuilding at bat? Right? How do you pitch on a rebuilding team? Like, there's like you got to eliminate that, right? Like, we're here to smash balls, and we're here to score more runs than the other team. Numbers, sabermetrics, algorithms, blah, blah. But it boils down to whoever touches the dish more than the other team is going to win. So we just got to find some ways to do that. Now it's crazy. We talk about a lot of ways to win baseball games. Last time I checked, it hasn't changed. The team who scores more wins. Yeah. Fact. No matter how you do it, no matter how you figure out to score more yeah. and eliminate the other team from scoring, yep. that's the name of the game. Whether I throw a hundred, I was like, we were talking about it because we bring on Nino Saris, who's great at analytics. He's our national baseball columnist from The Athletic, and he's got his stuff plus. I'm like, well, Greg Maddox won, code it, 355? 355 games. Would Pretty Greg good. Maddox ever have been stuff plus? <laughs> no. I, I, I mean, mean, he wasn't throwing a hundred? He wasn't? Yeah. Tom yeah. Glavin. Yeah. And then, you know what? Sometimes you just got to will your way into it, right? Sometimes it's not like talent versus talent. Sometimes you just – who wants it more that night? And I always, you know, tell these young guys and stuff, it's what are you going to do tonight to not lose? Because you know, guess what? Who want, Everyone wants to win. Every fan wants to see a winning game. But what are you going to do to not lose? Are you going to run out that hard 90? Are you going to sacrifice your at-bat to maybe see more pitches, Right, the guy's got 80 pitches and he's going out for the sixth. Right, well, we got to get him to 100. So maybe you have to take the first two or take the first three. You're sitting in a hitter's count 2-0, regardless that you have to take just to earn that other one. Right, you got to break up two. A lot of stuff. What are you gonna do tonight to not lose? Well, in your career, you won World Series with two different teams. One was supreme power, supreme firepower. Yeah. And then you won another World Series on a team that was supreme contact. You won it both ways. Yeah, you know what? That's one of the things I always bring out is a lot of a lot of people want me to compare the Red Sox team to the Royals team. Why wouldn't you, right? Like, what team was, like, better? And then made it to the playoffs with a couple other teams and also had some bad season. What I realized was winning teams are extremely different. The losing teams are all exactly the same. <laughs> Right. Crap is crap, and crap. it all smells like crap. Yeah. The the Kansas City Royals, right? Yeah. It was like single, 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 yeah. single, 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 whatever. The Red Sox was like walk, walk, homer. Walk, walk, homer. The, uh, you know, Kansas City, we had that bridge. We had a six-inning guy, seventh-inning guy, eighth-inning, ninth-inning guy. You know, the Red Sox, we would our, our starters go deep. Totally different ways of stealing. It's totally different ways of winning. Totally different ways of scoring the dish. But when you go down to those last place teams, highlight copy. 
I could do this all day with this man. And the reality is, I am. We're going to do A's pregame live in just a little bit on NBC Sports California. And then uh, we'll be doing A's pregame live and postgame live uh, Thursday, tomorrow. Shohei Otani will be on the mound against J.P. Sears. So we're going to be doing a lot. Once again, I have the ultimate respect for you as a person, your career, what you did for us on A's Radio, what you do for us now on A's Cast, you know you'll always be one of the all-time A's fan favorites. Now for the first time, we're in the same dugout. And it was sad that he got traded to the Baltimore Orioles. He was one of our favorites on A's Cast Live. Here is the lefty Cole Irvin. How, how are you, my friend? It's been a while. Good to see you guys again. I got to tell you, when we all shed a major tear when you got traded, we're all like, oh, no, not Cole Irvin. Uh, so we want you to know, everybody back with the A's, we miss you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I miss I miss everyone over there. It's it's uh, You guys have always been good to me, so I always appreciate the positivity and stuff that you guys send my way, especially after getting traded here and all the, uh, you know, we will miss you and stuff from the fans. Um, that's something that I wasn't used to. So it, it definitely made me a little emotional uh, when I was receiving those messages and uh, man, it was such, such a great two years that I had over there. And it felt it felt so much longer <laughs> than just two years because uh, we had such great, uh, you know, great connection. And, um, you know, definitely, definitely missed uh, talking to you guys every day. You know, it's so interesting about coming over from Philly to Oakland is is and no matter what happens in your career and we hope you pitch a real long time. I think we'll always be able to say you found yourself as a professional in Oakland. Yeah, I did. I did. There was a lot of things that I learned uh, wearing the green and gold. Um, And there was something there. There was something prideful about it, too, um, that that to me created this confidence uh, to truly understand that I do have what it takes to be a big leaguer. And so uh, for me, that that was the biggest thing that really, um, really kind of helped me turn a corner. Um, It was just the guys in the clubhouse in 21 um, really helped me understand just the day to day and understand, like, be yourself first. And that's something that, um, I will continue to kind of share with teammates that I have in the future. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, there was a lot of things that I, that I learned and just maintaining my body, taking the ball every fifth day, all those things, um, you know, that are, that you don't really think about, um, but getting that opportunity to do it um, in the A's uniform uh, is something that I'll, I will con- continue to cherish. You know, and there's one thing when people say, yeah, he can start. As you said, take the ball every five days. Can he give me 30 starts? Can he give me 200 innings? There's not a lot of guys that can do that. You learned how to do that. How big was it for you to actually forget what all of us think for you to believe inside you can be that guy? Um. It's it's funny because I find myself in these last two starts only going four plus innings. Uh, I'm frustrated with myself. So it's funny because it's like I know I can get deeper into ball games and I have that ability to. So it's like it's you know it's it's funny that I that like I have this confidence now that like okay I know that I I'm, that I can be here. I know that I am that I am a big leaguer. Now I'm like frustrated that I'm not performing to the capability that I can. Yeah uh, do. So, um, it's, it's been just, a, a over the past two years, just kind of a crazy mindset switch. Um, and that's the biggest thing, uh, 
that I think I take away most is that the mindset was a full on confidence builder. Uh, the focus uh, from start to start was a really big one that I learned last year. Um, taking the ball and having the confidence to take the ball, but the focus in game pregame, I know my first innings didn't necessarily show it last season, but my focus was really there um, and pitch to pitch understanding the uh, understanding the pitch to pitch focus that I needed to, to limit innings and or not limit innings, limit hitters to, you know, open up big innings and, and stuff like that. That was, that was huge. Um, so there's a lot of good things that um, I know I will reflect my time on, but yeah, no, I think the, 200 innings is still a goal of mine, um, and we're still there. Um, trying to take the ball every fifth day is another another one that we're trying to do. So, you know, the goals are still there. Stay, still the same uh, attitude each day, having fun, enjoying what we do. This is a fun game. You know, now you're in the AL East, and we just got done playing the Rays. They're going to be tough. We know how tough this division is going to be. What is this change like going to the Orioles and now you're going to be in the AL East as the Orioles are, they've got something to prove. Yeah, we do. We do got something to prove here in, in Baltimore. Um, we got a really young team, no different from how Oakland was. Um, but the, but I think they took a big step last season. We saw it when, you know, we came beginning of September last year and kind of got our teeth kicked in when we, when, when we played here against these guys. So I got to see it kind of firsthand. So it was kind of fun to, you know, get traded, come over to a team that that took a big step forward with a lot of with a lot of talent. And, um, you know, the East is 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 a great division. Um, you know, Tampa's really good. New York, Boston, uh, Toronto, um, you know, everyone seems to get better in this division. Um, but it's it's funny because the big leagues is the big leagues. I think there's just as many good teams in the AL West as there is the AL East. Um, you know, the, the, the strength of schedule is going to be a little bit easier, I think on, on, on team travel um, across the whole league. So I think that's going to play a, a huge part in a lot of teams that um, are fighting for a, a wild card this year. Um, but I think all in all, I think, being able to pitch against the angels, uh, the Astros. Um, I think I made six starts against them last year. Like every start uh, against them. Yeah. Um, so I think the talent is, I mean, you have to be able to perform and pitch in the big leagues to stay in the big leagues. And, and so, um, my last two starts have been against AL East opponents and they've, um, put some good, you know, at bats together to keep me getting into the fifth or sixth inning. So, um, you know, I'm learning a little bit about, you know, what it takes to pitch in this division. And that's, that's just the learning curves of, of moving around is, is every division is going to be a little different. The opponents, you know, that you don't typically face, you know, week in and week out are, are going to be a little bit, you know, there's going to be a learning curve. So I, I think I'm going through that learning curve. I'm figuring out what it takes to pitch in this, in this division. Um, and I got a little bit of a wake up call these past two starts. All right, before we let you go, we know you got to get out of here, but this Adley Rushman kid is something special. I mean, he's already off to just a terrific start. We know the year he had last year, you've gotten to know him now spring training played with him for a couple of weeks. Just how good is he? He's great. He's, um, every bit of the word professional, um, that you can get, uh, he, he, he does his homework. 
Um, he's an incredible player, but I think more importantly, what I've been most impressed with is just who the type of person he is. Um, you would think that a, a kid with his talent and, and ability on the field, there would be a little bit more of like a confidence and, or overconfidence on the field, but no, or off the field. And he's every bit of a down to earth human being you could get, you could get. Um, I tried starting a little bit of some, you know, tension for Oregon state, Oregon stuff. <laughs> and, and I, and I felt bad because he's such a nice guy. And I, and I really enjoy, uh, I just really enjoy being around him, talking with him. Um, and he's a great teammate. So uh, we're going to, we'll, we'll definitely come football season. We'll definitely uh, have some conversations um, about some, about some uh, football, but yeah, it's uh, so far, so far, it's been great to throw to him. He's extremely confident and smart behind the dish and he really knows what he's doing. And, and it, it helps to have uh, James McCann by his side too, who's a really equally, uh, equally great person and incredible professional yeah we both know you oregon people really look down on oregon state let's be honest <laughs> let's be honest i, I know yeah, we, we kind of we kind of have to that's just, in, <laughs> that's just in, the, that's in the language in oregon hey speaking for the fans and speaking for myself you were so good to us here on ace cast and ace cast live we miss you to death it was just heartbreaking when we heard you got traded. I mean, there might be times we're just going to have to call you up later in the season to, to get a Pac-12 preview of what's going on in college football. I mean, we're going to miss – we miss seeing you. We're going to miss talking to you every day. I know, I know. I'm going to miss talking to you guys too. We'll definitely have to do a Pac-12 preview for football season. Yeah. Put me down on the calendar for that. Uh, I'm in. I'll do some homework. I'll come in with some stats this time around and see what we can come up with and have some fun with it. But uh, – no, thanks for having me. Thanks for always, you know, you guys being good to me and 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 always speaking highly. Um, and and to the fans, I, I really appreciate everything that you guys did and and um, just gave me the confidence to be a big leaguer. Let me go through my ebbs and flows of pitching. And, you know, I had some not so good starts and had some really good starts. And but uh, there was a lot of pride that that I took wearing wearing green and gold and the number 19. Um for Oakland. And, um, it's something that I, that will, I will always carry with me. So, um, I'm excited to get back to Oakland and see some fans and, and see some people that, um, I got to interact with day to day. And, um, so, but thank you for everything. It, it, it was, it, I really enjoyed my time. Yeah. You're a class act and you'll always be an A and we'll always remember you as a great A and we're always going to be rooting for you. Be well. And we'll talk soon. Sounds good, Chris. Good talking to you. Cole Irvin, man. Love that guy. We want to thank Stephen Vogt, Johnny Gomes, and Cole Irvin for stopping by A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.